0: New Piney Grove, New Pine Grove, New Pine Grove, New Piney Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message. The notes Grove. on my message until well out there's. So there's a lot of similarities in the commentary and the message. And I believe it's by decree of the Holy Spirit. When you look and examine Matthew chapter 10, you will find it is a text of empowerment. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is all power, we find him extending his power through 12 men who followed him. Author and noted writer on biblical leadership, John Maxwell says, leaders must develop others through reaching their full potential and no one did this better than Jesus. By invoking what John Maxwell called the law of empowerment, Jesus, in fact, multiplied his influence. You heard Jeff say something about that's all leadership is, is influence. But Jesus multiplied his influence, not just 12 times these 12 men, but many, many, many more than that. With the process of empowerment comes challenges. So before the actual empowerment of these 12 men, there had to be a period of training followed by teaching or teaching followed by training. And, and for me, it makes sense because being an ex-military man, I, I'm familiar with it. In the military, they train men and women to wage war. Oftentimes, people go into the military just to have a career, just to get skilled. But the purpose of going into military is be prepared to wage war. And I think sometimes we as saints of God, when we recognize that we, we say that we're in the army of the Lord, we don't realize that we're supposed to be training to wage war. And reflecting back on my military career, it goes like this. It start with basic training. This is where you learn really just to be a soldier, an airman, or a sailor. Then it's elevated or escalated to what is called technical or skill training, a specific thing that you are supposed to do while you're in the service. And finally, it results in what we call very briefly OJT or on-the-job training. Now these twelve men was about to begin. The OJT. Join me now as we kind of cruise through these scriptures in Matthew 10. And look with me at verse 1. And it reads, and I'm reading from the old King James Version this time. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manners of sickness and all manners of disease. Jeff, one of the best ways to train someone is by demonstration, in other words, showing them how. In chapter 9, Jesus had demonstrated his power and authority. In verse 1 of chapter 9, we see him healing a paralyzed man. In verse 20, we see him healing a woman for, who had for 12 long years have had this issue of blood. In, chapter, in verse 25, rather, he raised a little girl, a uh, daddy named Jairus, I believe, back from the dead. In verse 30, he restores the sight to two blind men. And in verse 33, he healed a demon-possessed man. He was mute who was unable to speak. So they had that demonstration of what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit would do. In verses 4, excuse me, 2 to 4, Jesus named each one of these 12 men. They're listed in that first verse, from those second verse. Now, when you look at the names of them, this is a personal call called them by name. But after this, Jesus empowered them to again wage warfare, but not just warfare, spiritual warfare. Skip with me down to verse 5. And it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, And into any city of the Samaritan, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I want to break some things down as we look through the rest of this. Let's look at the battlefield. What did Jesus just tell them to do? See, the battleground was full of people who were demon-possessed. Man, this don't sound like the United States of America, I'll tell you what. <laughs> these demons were responsible in any, excuse me, many of the sickness and disease. But some of these diseases were natural occurrences. But note, Jesus gave them power over both the spiritual and the natural. But he also had some boundaries and some restrictions imposed on these twelve. He said, I want you to be discerning on how you use this empowerment. Told them don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to Samaria. These twelve men were sent to God, folk, the house of Israel. <laughs> but notice something Jesus called them lost. They were lost because they rejected him as the Messiah. It's been often said, it's a sad thing for somebody to go to hell on the highway of the church. That was a battlefield full of demon-possessed people, full of sickness, full of disease. So naturally, when we look at their assignment, we'll find this. Their assignment is this: verse eight, of chapter ten. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Now, leprosy was a disease that was brought on. They believe by disfavor with God. Not only were they to heal the sick and cleanse the leper, they were to raise the dead. Wow! But Jesus had already demonstrated that. His power had done it, and now he empowered them. Cast out devils, devil, and then he says something that you have to wait until we get a little farther down to get. It. He says, "Freely you have received, freely give." This morning, after the faith development class, Jeff and Benita was having a conversation, and Jeff was basically saying, "We owe everything to God. We can't even take our salvation." God has given this to us freely. And Benita and Jeff, I think about breath. Some of you that breathe naturally and don't have any problem breathing, you can't relate to this. But if you ever got to a point where it seemed like you couldn't breathe, breathe you recognize that that's a free gift from God. So he said, This empowerment that you got, you got it free. So with all the charismatic preachers and the great people that can sing and, 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 and really uplift people, you got it free. So since you got it free, give it free. Right. I had a conversation some years back with Patrick Bailey, a musician, and he was asking me some questions about his talent. And I thank God that he has really not done this and he obeyed this. I said, Patrick, don't ever ask for a certain amount of money. Let the people bless you. You just give freely and he has done that. That also keeps you humble. You see, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleaning the leper was a signal that Messiah's presence, his power and authority was within the kingdom. But hold on. By accepting their assignment meant they also had to accept the challenges. To whom much is given, much is required. So let's look at these challenges that they had to face. Their first challenge was not to depend upon stuff and things not to depend upon stuff and things. And this may seem real easy to us until we realize what Jesus asked him to do. Verse 9. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse nor script for your journey neither two coats, neither shoes nor yet staves for the workman is worthy of his meat. See, freely you give. Freely you should receive. These 12 men was told to totally depend upon the people that they minister to. I know these easy for us to say, well, I depend upon God. But God used people. And he said, I want you to depend upon the people to minister to your needs. Y'all ready? Brother Tatum and I were talking this morning. It It would be kind of hard for me. They were to take no funds. Don't take no money. That's what gold, silver, and brass were used for. Here you go, Brother T. They were told to take no food. Now I know that uh, I told y'all about it. going to Chicago, I always have my little lunch. Going fishing, I want to take my little lunch. But they were told to take no food. That's what that script was. The script was a bag, it was a lunch bag to carry the food in. They were not even, Brother Matt, to take any changes of clothes. They supposed to just go with what they had on their back, the same shoes. So they didn't have all them different socks that you might have. (laughs) If they did, he told them to leave me home. (laughs) Here you go, Joe. Joe B. They were also not to take any protection. That stave, that's what it is. And and Pat and Ann walk with a little stick to get them dogs away. And sometimes, you know, I don't feel comfortable unless I got my 40 on me. I'm just, be honest with you. (coughs) Yeah, I got one. y'all know how it is riding through certain neighborhoods <coughs> just feel a little better if you got a little something with you but he said don't take it you can't defend yourself he's saying this is just the first challenge we got six more to go y'all In verse 11 through 15, then Jesus outlined action if those people they were ministering to rejected the message and the messenger. Jesus also spoke of a curse. Said, they don't receive it, just shake off the dust as a testimony against them. He said, it's going to be worse for Solomon and Gomorrah. And God rained down fire and brimstone on Solomon and Gomorrah. He said, I got your back. You just trust me and don't take nothing. I mean, I thought about this. What a great blessing this was. Can you imagine after seeing all the miracles in chapter 9, and now Jesus giving me the same power in chapter 10, can you imagine the excitement? B.J., we say, let's go get him. They were empowered to perform miracles, but they were promised they would be protected and they would be provided for with the assurance that those people that rejected them would be punished. They were really, I imagine in my mind, really hamped up. Yeah, let's go. But then Jesus issued this second challenge, which is a shocking statement. That entails, I believe, a challenge for everybody in this room, especially those who are in leadership position. Their second challenge is to be sensible and stay humble. Verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpent and harmless as dove. Sheep in the midst of wolves are in constant danger. Why? Because sheep have no capacity for self-defense. Of all the animals that God has created, sheep depends upon man more than any other. They don't have sharp teeth to bite with. They don't have a, a roaring noise to scare nothing away. They're too slow to run from anything. The only thing the sheep have in their favor is their shepherd. And that is staying together. (laughs) Nothing worse than an isolated sheep. So he tells them, I'm sending you that way. I'm sending you, in other words, I'm making you vulnerable. That vulnerable position demanded that they be wise. And that, and that Greek word is sensible. That's why I get the symbol. Just use common sense. My wife and I call it the NCS. There's too many smart people that ain't got common sense. Be prudent. And the word for harmless is, is better understood as innocent, but it, it implies a state of humility. See, pride gets a whole bunch of us when we are challenged really to lay down your pride where you don't want a pat on the back and you don't want to get glorified for your service. The third challenge. Be ready for rejection from men. Verse 17. Beware of men for they will deliver you up to the council and they will scourge you in the synagogue and they will be brought and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the gentiles the rejection of their message by men was going to bring about persecution and this opposition was going to come from several sources. It was going to come from political, ideology, but also from religions. In other words, it was going to be some of God's folk that's going to reject what you are trying to do, what I'm calling you to do. Leads us to the fourth challenge. It's rough, y'all. But the foreman is to choose faith over family. I want y'all to say that with me because I know y'all are going to have a problem with it. Choose faith faith. over family. Personally, my wife and I have dealt with some things, but you're going to have to realize that family members should not change your faith. might challenge your faith, but it shouldn't change your faith. I'm reminded of how many people who were very much anti-divorce until they had a family member got divorced. Or someone who was very anti-homosexuality until somebody in their family came out the closet. So this challenge is kind of tough. But look at verse 21. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. Hostility would not only come from civil and religious authority, but it was gonna also come from right in the midst of your household. Hallelujah. And the text implies this word betrayal. It makes you feel like this person who was close to you has betrayed you. Anybody have experienced that knows that's some of the worst type of hurt that you can not experience. So that fourth challenge of choosing family over faith would cause many to balk. Their fifth challenge was to handle the hate. You know, we, we live in a society where everybody wants to be liked, wants to be popular, but verse 25, 22, one that we read responsibly says, then you shall be hated of all, all, all men for my name's sake. But endure to the end and you shall be saved. King James says the word is better rend- uh, rendered delivered. And nothing to do with salvation is being delivered from what you're going through. Now the word hate implies a strong sense of animosity. It's a grit your teeth, I can't stand you. It's emotion that leads to violent action. But notice something here. Why is this animosity so strong? Jesus said, because of my sake." So you handle the hate the way Jesus handled it. You hang in there. On the cross. Bleeding profusely. Struggling to breathe. Insults. After insults. I thought you were something. You said you were the Messiah. Come down and save yourself. Look at you now. Slobbing and urinating on yourself, defecating on—look at you now. The hate was strong, and yet he looks down and says, "Father, forgive them, Thank you. for they know not what they do." That's how you handle the hate with love. With love. Their sixth challenge flee and fight. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will ha- not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes as long as there's somebody out there that needs saving, you keep fighting. The 12 was encouraged not to let opposition stop their ministry. There have been many ministries stopped in the church because of mess. And this mess is demonic-inspired but he knows, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Jeff did a good job and talk about your calling and your leadership. If God called you, then God's the only one that can uncall you. If you were given a ministry in New Pine Grove and you're not performing it, you are in direct disobedience. Yes, flee, but continue to fight. And you keep fighting until Jesus comes back. The last challenge, seven is the number of perfection, but the last one is to bear his cross before you blast in his glory. Bear his scrolls before blasting in his glory. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the household Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Whoever told you, that sticks and stone may break my bones and words will never hurt me, told you a lie. (laughs) Truth is that words hurt worse than sticks and stone. Uh, Ann and I was both raised in a similar type environment where our daddy did a lot of tongue lashing. Young folks don't know what it is. That's when they talk to you and keep on going on and on and nagging about you ain't doing right. And my dad used to tell me, son, I let you slide last time. I ain't letting you slide this time. Let me tell you why he go on now. Dad, just go and get the belt and whoop me and get it over with. Make me feel so bad. Dave, I told you I was going to do this. Why you make me do it? I don't like doing it, son. Well, don't do it, Dad. But I got to. (laughs) Understand, they talked about Jesus. And they talked about Jesus. They don't talk about anyone who accepts the challenge to follow him. Beelzebub literally means the Lord of the Flies is translated also as Prince of Devils but the Lord of the Flies implies bothersome. Worrying folks. Getting on folks' nerves. Y'all, y'all have been in a situation where you're trying to eat and flies just come all around? Y'all always fend? But I took a different text on this, Joe Matt. We ought to be bothering folks. We ought to be worrisome to folks. My grandmama used to be as good at as this. You got saved yet? Do you know the Lord your Savior? You? Don't let me bring nobody new to the house. It was going to be embarrassing. Are you saved, Grandma? Stop bothering folks, but you know what? We need to bother folks. We need to worry folks. They should feel uncomfortable around us if they're not saved. I'm going to end with five pastoral challenges. I know this ain't typical communion service message, but I felt it was necessary. As I talk with some of you about some of the things that's going on in my life, health issues with not only me but several other elders in the church, and I think it was so fitting that this is the first Sunday we worship without Uncle Bill. So I want to issue five pastoral challenges to different segments within the church today. Number one, I challenge the leaders of this church to lead by example, and that means coming on time. We can talk about time like we did this morning, but it means also coming on time, giving like you should. Worshiping like you should. But lead by example. Don't just tell show. Number two, I challenge those who are saved but not mentoring to get involved. Stop making excuses for why you're not involved in some church ministry. If not, this church find a church that you can get involved in there's so many needs right here alone and I know it's not just our church we should have younger people driving we only got two people that really drive the bus because of CDL but we offer free training and willing to pay for it but somebody has got to have that passion to do so Number three, here you go, B. Lee. I challenge the young, and I'm talking about anybody that's under 28 years old, because after 28, you start going downhill. (laughs) I challenge the young to stop living for the here and now. Don't give God the leftovers of your life. Don't wait until you feel like you can't do it no more. I may as well just go on and give the rest to God. Many of you don't like leftovers at home, especially leftover meatloaf. God don't like leftover. (laughs) Listen to me. This church is not getting any younger. We need young people involved. That is the reason I'm pushing this us thing. We've got to get younger people in here. You look at the average age of our deacon board prior to these last group was the average age was 66 years old. And even though we may have 20 years those 20 years are not going to be as pristine as the other 20 before. I challenge all who are here today to be sure of your salvation. Remember I said that Jesus named 12 disciples, he called them. He started out with Simon Peter, but he ended with Judas. Judas. Yes, the one that betrayed him. Judas went out. Judas performed all these miracles. But he did not have a relationship with Jesus. Just because you think you're in the church and you're doing some things and you see the handiwork of God involved don't mean that you know him as your Savior. So you need to be sure of your salvation. And lastly, I challenge y'all who are not saved and know you're not saved to accept Jesus as your Savior today. And I have some final words and I'm done. (sighs) As I was preparing for this this morning, and looking at challenging you and trying to encourage you to accept the challenge, I went to my beloved and I said, baby, what would be your definition of the word challenge? She gave me several applications and then she said to dare. So I dare you to try Jesus. In fact, I remember when I was raised up in summer here in Atlanta, we had this thing. I double-dog. Dare you. Try Jesus. And, and with, with everything, hold on a hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I'll get there. i get there. And, and not wanting to do anything without understanding the meaning, because that's what me and my wife do when we have these old sayings like cool brown. I go look the stuff up. So I Googled it. Double dog dare means to challenge emphatically and defiantly. I double dog dare you to try Jesus. And then as I went to the Urban Dictionary. They even had triple dog dare you. So I triple all day in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Spirit, in the name of the Father to try Jesus. Now you can stand. And here's how you try Jesus. The Bible lets us know that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from dead, you should be saved. So if you will just go with me and repeating these words. Read with me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Come on together. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Thank you for your promise of mercy and pardon and eternal life. I acknowledge my sin, my shortcoming, and faith. I ask for forgiveness and would like to receive Jesus as my Savior now. now if you prayed that prayer for the first time, because these... Outreach ministries go forth. Just come and join their hand. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.